presence in my life. And this song that we're going to sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, number 334 in your hymnal, just is one of those songs that has uh, been so important to me over the years as I've heard this to remember that blessed assurance, that Jesus is mine. Please stand as we sing. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. see everybody tonight. I want to welcome you to, to worship. In just a moment, we'll have our official greeting time. And, but let me share with you first just a couple quick announcements about some of the activities that are going on here at, at uh, First Baptist Church. Um, starting in, in just about a week is going to be a new discipleship study by Billy Graham called Nearing Home, and that's going to begin on February the 6th. At 9.30 a.m., that's on a, a Monday morning, it'll be in our Memorial uh, Social Hall, Room 108. Runel Branch will be 
facilitating that study for us. So I want to invite you to come and participate in that beginning uh, next Monday morning. This Thursday will be our Men's Life Luncheon. And uh, Dallin Granberry will be our guest uh, speaker. Uh, the topic is Don't Panic, Trust Your Father, even when difficult situations come up in your life. So, men, you're invited to join us Thursday, uh, February the 2nd at uh, 12 noon in the Family Life Center. Of course, we're all uh, in prayer and having the opportunity to participate in different ways in the Almost a Teenager Conference that's coming up on February the 24th and 25th. So you received an insert in your bulletin about that today. So be in prayer about how you can participate and, and be a part of supporting uh, that ministry and outreach in our community. One other thing I would just mention is this Tuesday, um, we will begin our, I believe it's the 23rd semester of faith. Uh, you began it about 12 years ago, and uh, we still have about on average about 30 of our members participating in faith, uh, and usually there's approximately, I don't know, 10 to 12 of those who are first time participating. And uh, our own pastor, uh, Dr. Wayne Rowe, teaches the, um, the basic course in faith. If you would like to participate this semester, uh, this is the first course called uh, Faith Evangelism, and you'd be a wonderful opportunity if you participate in the morning, Mark Myers leads it. If you participate in the evening, our pastor, Dr. Wayne Rowe, leads it. If you've participated in faith before, we have an advanced course, and it's going to be called Bridges, Christians Connecting with Muslims. So you're going to learn how to share your faith with somebody of another faith, uh, how to share Christ with somebody from a Muslim background. So it'll be a great opportunity. It'll be a great challenge. I encourage you, um, will you start this Tuesday at 10 a.m. for the morning faith and at 530 for the evening faith. Well, we're excited to have our Pastor Emeritus preaching tonight, Dr. Chess Smith. Glad to have him preaching. Glad he's not in an interim right now <laughs> where he gets a little break and, and can be at his home church. And we're excited to hear uh, Dr. Chess Smith tonight share the Word of God with us. Perhaps tonight, generally when we gather to worship, we have guests with us. I don't know if tonight is an exception or or follows the rule. Um, if you're a guest with us tonight, we want you to feel relaxed and a part of the worship time. And in a moment, we're gonna, we have a custom here at First Baptist. And our custom is to invite our guests to remain seated. Our members will stand in just a moment to greet you and to greet one another. Our ushers are coming forward. They have a little um, folder that has some information about our church and also a little registration card so we invite you to take that information fill out the little registration card drop it in the offering plate when it's passed but let's take time now just to greet one another and celebrate some fellowship here at church tonight so members would you stand guests remain seated let's greet everyone hi i'm Haley main and i'm a youth here at first baptist church of tipton georgia and i would like to thank you for joining us today I hope you'll open up your heart to what God is trying to tell you through the worship and the sermon. If you have anything you need prayer for, or you'd like to make a confession of faith, or you're just curious about the whole faith thing, don't be afraid to call us. We have counselors standing by. Our number is 229-382-6063. Or if you're just interested about our church and what's going on, the website is fbctifton.org. 
Now, I hope you enjoy the rest of the service. Thanks for joining us. Going to ask everyone now to stand and join with us as we sing the chorus of Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Let's sing now. Leaning, leaning, say fancy cup from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting. Sing that first stanza. What a fellowship, what a joy divine. Everlasting arms, what a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, say Fensica from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms, oh how Everlasting arms, oh how bright the path goes from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms, I have blessed peace with my Lord so dear. Leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure. Before we have our prayer together, we have several requests of people that we want to remember in a special way. Vernon Smith is still in the hospital here in Tifton. will have a biopsy of his throat on Wednesday. Needs to build up his strength, and we want to remember Vernon. Ford Spinks is still in the hospital here in Tifton, making progress, but still has a ways to go. Robbie Griffin was discharged, and Bernice Perry was discharged from the hospital on the 26th and the 27th. We have this email that came to the church. Tony Fleming, the son of Mary Edna Fleming, is in the Halifax Hospital in Daytona, Florida. They don't know what is wrong. They're running tests. Seems to be very serious, and they request that we remember him and Mary Edna and her daughter as they have traveled there uh, to see him. Let's join our hearts in a moment of prayer. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of prayer. 
that we can join our hearts and minds together and think of these who need Thee in a very special way. And we know, Father, without knowing what is needed, we are confident that You do and that You'll provide that need. Guide the doctors and the nurses who minister to them. Give the family members and friends encouragement and strength and help them all to know, even as we have sung that great hymn a moment ago, that they have that blessed assurance that Jesus is near and will strengthen and guide in every way. We ask, Father, that you'll be with us tonight as we close this beautiful day in your house. May our hearts be warmed by your presence. May our minds be strengthened through the truth that we receive. And we pray, Father, that we'll have the resolution in our hearts this week to live like we ought to live and be the kind of people you want us to be. For we make our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Brother Chess mentioned George Beverly Shea in his um, sermon this morning. And uh, it's interesting that tonight we're going to sing the only hymn in our hymnal with the music by George Beverly Shea. It's one that we'll all recognize. It's I'd Rather Have Jesus. Hymn number 550. Will you please stand? I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be dead by His hand than to be the 
Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight with praise and thanksgiving for your grace, your love, and your mercy. We thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us today and each day, the ones that we are so unworthy of, and for taking care of us, and for wrapping your arms around us, and loving us, and being there, and keeping us out of harm's way. We thank you that we live today in a country that has peace. And we thank you that we have leaders of this church that love you, that want us to learn your love and to know how to live and to follow you. I ask you to be with each of us as we come tonight, as we bring our love gifts and our tithes, giving back to you only a portion of the many blessings you've bestowed upon us. We love you, Lord. We'd rather have Jesus than anything else. Open our minds, our hearts tonight to take your word and to put it into our hearts so that we will love you, obey you, and follow you and be the person that we need to be to let your light shine in this community. In Christ's name I pray, Lord. Amen.
Thank you, girls. We've had the privilege of being in nine interim churches since we retired, and music has always been a a very important part of any of the worship services, and the music here at First Baptist has always been first class, just great, and that's because of the leadership that we have had across the years, couched in Miss uh, Gina there and Brother Frankie over here, and leaders like Brother Gary that have come and been with us. Brother Gary, in 1946, I found myself in New York City because of World War II, and I read where George Beverly Shea and Billy Graham and Cliff Barrows would be at the old, uh, what was it, Madison Avenue, Madison Square Garden, couldn't think of it right then. And so I caught a wire into town and went to Madison Square Garden to hear those three. And that was the first time that I heard I'd rather have Jesus and didn't realize that it was written by a lady from Canada and had uh, sent the words and the music to George Beverly Shea and and he sang it there and uh, just as beautiful as it was here. And uh, as you say, it's a great, great song for us. In the 17th chapter of Luke's gospel, if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there and listen as we read some words that Jesus spoke, and they can be a warning, not only in his day, but in our day. Beginning with verse 20, Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact the kingdom of God is among you. Then he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. They will say to you, look there, or look here, but do not go, do not set off in pursuit, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must endure much suffering and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so too will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed all of them. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, They were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planning and building. 
But on the day that Lot left Sodom, it rained fire and sulfur from heaven and destroyed all of them. It will be like that on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, anyone on the housetop who has belongings in the house must not come down to take them away. And likewise, anyone in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Those who try to make their life secure will lose it, but those who lose their life will keep it. I tell you on that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding meal together. One will be taken and the other left. Then they asked him, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Jesus, toward the end of his three-year ministry, began to speak very stern and harsh words. And where thousands had been following him, and seemingly attaching themselves to him and his words, they begin to fall away, ask questions. And this was part of that falling away. And when the day came, when he entered into Jerusalem, there were just a handful of people who had started out with him, who were still with him. And the warning to those in that day as in our day is that we never get through following Jesus. The danger is that we find ourselves feeling that we have already arrived at the spiritual attainment that he has called us to be. And so in this vast array of instructions, he said, remember Lot's wife. Does anybody here tonight remember Lot's wife's name? I'll give you a nickel if you, if you do. That's not very much, but that may be more than you've got in your pocket right now. Anybody know the name of Lot's wife? Anybody got a guess? Well, let me just stop you from worrying and getting your mind on that. We don't know her name. It's not ever told to us. But isn't it strange that Jesus, in the midst of all of that which he was trying to teach, that he would refer to this unnamed woman in the past? If you want to read about the story of Lot and his wife, you can turn to Genesis, the 19th chapter. We'll not read all of it tonight because of time. But you'll remember that Abraham, when he left Haran took his wife Sarah and their family and flocks and they took Lot who was Abraham's nephew 
with all of his family and flocks, and they traveled together to the land of Canaan. Along the way, the herdsmen of each outfit began to argue and fuss. Abraham's herdsmen said Lot's herdsmen got the best pasture yesterday. It's our turn today to get it. And all along the way, they built up this resentment that one was doing better than the other insofar as finding grass and water and all of that that the flocks needed. Abraham was a wise man, and so he told Lot one day, Lot, you look out and you see everything before you. You select an area where you want to go and settle. You do decide that, and then I'll take what's left, and I'll move my flocks and my family there. That's what they did. Sodom and Gomorrah were two cities in the area to which Lot selected to stop and settle down and build his life. Pretty soon we realize, as we read the story, that Lot moved into Sodom and there set up his home and family and work. And then as we read a little further, we realize that Sodom moved into Lot, which is so often the case when we're not aware of it. Jesus said to be in the world so that we can have an influence upon the world. But so often when you and I are not careful, the world moves into us. And we find ourselves following the leadership of the world rather than the world following God's leadership through us. It can happen to any one of us, especially when we think that we have arrived at knowing everything that is to know about God and His truth. So in the 19th chapter, two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of Sodom, When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground and said, Please, my lords, turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you can rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the square. But he urged them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread And they ate. Now move to verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone here else, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against this people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, Up, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law as one to be joking. 
When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or else you will be consumed in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and left him outside the city. And when they had brought them outside, they said, Flee for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the hills, or else you will be consumed. And then in verse 24, the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. So easy for us to allow ourselves to be drawn out from what we know about God into the world that knows nothing about God. We could be very religious but not live as God's people. The saddest words in all of the story to me is that when these angels, the messengers from God giving warning Lot went out to tell his sons-in-law that they had to get up and get out of the city because God was going to destroy it. And they thought he was joking. Have you ever found that so when you tried to tell someone else about Jesus in the schoolhouse, in the marketplace, or maybe in your own home? very pious and holy in those moments. But the person to whom you're witnessing recognizes that what you're saying then does not compare with what you have been living in the past. Brother John has encouraged us about faith, going out, learning how to share with somebody else but let me tell you tonight, and Brother John, I'm not being critical. I'm saying to each and every one, don't take faith program and be a part of it unless you're sure that the way you have lived is going to back up what you say. This happened to Lot. Sons-in-law were consumed in the fire, lost forever. Because Lot didn't live like he preached. And it's so easy for us to do that. I want us to remember tonight that whatever might happen down the road, God always sends a warning. He always prefaces his acts of judgment with opportunities for you and me and others to respond to his love and grace and change our way of living 
if it's not suitable uh, to him. He sent the messengers to Lot, giving Lot warning that this was about to happen. But God's grace and love was going to apply to Lot and his family if he responded correctly. And Lot believed the message. He believed that what the angel said was going to happen. And so that's it. He went to his sons-in-law and, and told them, join with us and we'll be saved. And they laughed at him because what he had been doing didn't match what he was saying at that time. But God never surprises you and me when his acts of judgment are to come. They come in different ways. I think God's trying to get our attention today. I cannot remember a day when the world was more into the church than it is today. And the church is less influenced in the world than today. Anybody in Tifton worried about what First Baptist Church says about anything? Anybody going to be upset tomorrow anywhere in the marketplace of Tifton and Tiff County because what was preached and said in the First Baptist Church today? Who's paying attention to the church today out there in the world? All we've got to do is recognize what's on television today to know how far we have come from the world listening to the church and not paying attention to the church. We can fill up our buildings. We can have magnificent music. We can have great preaching. But believe me tonight, if you look around in the world, there is no positive influence of the church on the world. Nobody out there that's not in here cares anything about what it goes on in here because it doesn't go on out there. And I think God in many ways is trying to get our attention to help us to see that we are losing the battle against sin and evil and corruption in our world. What was it about two years ago when a volcano erupted north of us? All it did didn't make a sound, didn't make a noise, but it just quiet, soot and ashes floated out in the sky. And 13 countries were shut down completely. No plane could fly in or fly out. People stranded all over the world. Business stopped because business people were stranded away from where they were supposed to be and where they were supposed to be working. And 13 countries 
for two weeks were shut down. We know very well because we had three, our two grandsons and our son-in-law from Wales, they were caught here and we had them for two weeks. Now you're talking about uh, fussing with God and asking why and so forth. But for two weeks they were here. They had checked their baggage, could not get on the plane because it was not flying. We picked them up at the airport after dropping them out there and they had nothing but what they had on their backs. We had to go to Walmart and buy combs and brushes and toothbrushes and so forth and and clothes. And for two weeks, they kept trying to get a flight out back to the UK. I take that as God's warning to say to us, we're not as smart as we think we are. We're not as good as we act like we are. And we had better shape up and see what can happen down the road as God would turn his hand this way or that and cause it. Lot wasn't living as good as he knew how to live. And the judgment of God fell upon the cities. Remember Lot's wife. Jesus didn't say remember Lot. Jesus didn't say remember the sons-in-law. Jesus didn't say remember Sodom and Gomorrah. He said remember Lot's wife. What was it about Lot's wife that he wanted us to remember Simply this, that Lot's wife's heart was not where it ought to be. When she was fleeing to safety, she turned and looked back. And it was exactly what Jesus said when he was here in the flesh. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. We could be sitting in church, but where is our treasure? Where are the things that are most meaningful to us? Where are the things that are most important to us? What is it in life that draws us the strongest? Wherever that treasure is, that's where our heart will be. And Jesus is saying Lot's wife's heart was back in Sodom because that's where her treasure was. That's what she liked the best. That's what she wanted to do. That's where all of that which was important dwelled in her life. It's so easy for us. Maybe longer we live, it gets easier to find ourselves religious 
on the outside, but irreligious on the inside. Jesus warns us tonight that it's not simply a matter of keeping the the outside fixed. We need to be careful about what's on the inside. What's the most important thing tonight to you? Your relationship to God? Or your work? Or your family? Or your recreation? Or your ambition? Or your dreams? Or your hopes? Or is it your relationship to God in Jesus Christ. Where is your heart tonight? And you can decide where your treasure is also. May God help us to remember Lot's wife and be sure that our heart and our treasure are in the right places. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Father, we pray tonight as we start a new week that we'll look around tomorrow and the other days of the week and just listen, just look, and become aware of the fact that the world doesn't really care about what your church says or does today. Is it because we, the church, are not living like we ought to live? watching the little things, be careful of what we say, how we react to circumstances, how we face failures and disappointments and problems, sickness and suffering, all of those things help us to know, Father, that the world is looking and they're wanting to know if, if what we believe is really true, really, really work, or is it just a show? Make us mindful this week to look around and to see what we can do to begin to make an impression a positive impression upon the world in which we live, the schoolhouse, the marketplace, the ball field, wherever. For we make our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Our closing hymn tonight and our hymn of invitation and decision is number 317. We'll stand and sing together.
And if God is speaking to your heart, Brother John will be at the front that you can come and share with him. Or you can make a decision right where you are that this new week is going to be different because you're going to begin to look to see what kind of impression you as the church are making upon the world.